Hello, and welcome to The Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. When I started out in comedy, my path wasn't clear at all. (laughs) You see, I was never very good at the setup punchline thing, which probably should have been a sign that maybe I wasn't meant to be a great stand-up comic. I mean, I was fine. I had jokes, but they weren't traditional jokes. It felt like everyone around me was trying to be like a Jerry Seinfeld or a Chris Rock. Traditional comics that I admired too, but I just couldn't do what they did, you know? Instead, I told funny stories, often influenced by my own personality. They were, there weren't many comics that I saw doing that, except for one, Kathy Griffin. She would get up there and tell stories that only she could tell. It wasn't so much, you know, what she was saying, although that was always fun and gossipy, but it was how she said what she said. Her personality made the story even better. And since then, I've worked hard at just sort of selling my personality in ways that you wouldn't expect from a comic. Like, I never thought I'd be working for a magazine, a news magazine, that my parents and their parents turned to for hard and compelling news. But here I am, and I'm grateful to be at Newsweek, because it was watching someone like Kathy Griffin that sort of gave me the idea that my path wasn't going to be a normal one, and that's okay. And the same can be said for Kathy Griffin. From sitcoms to her iconic Bravo reality series, My Life on the D-List, to other moments that certainly shaped her career, like that infamous fake decapitated head photo of Donald Trump, Kathy Griffin has experienced the highs of Hollywood and the lowest lows of Hollywood. But one thing hasn't changed, her personality and her comedy. And now, years after that infamous photo, Kathy finally feels like not only that she's uncanceled, but that people are ready to come out and see her do what she does best, her comedy. She recently announced her first comedy tour after that infamous photo, and she called it My Life on the PTSD List, because she needs to talk not only about her own PTSD, but also our collective PTSD as a country after the Trump years, COVID, and so much more. And let me tell you, Kathy Griffin didn't hold anything back during our chat. We talked about Trump, her battle with cancer, her battles with Hollywood titans like Andy Cohen and Jeff Sucker, her salons that always go viral on social media, and oh, so much more. Honestly, I've said this before, but it bears repeating. As a comic, I love chatting with other comics because there's a language that we use that just comes natural. I think you'll notice that in our chat. And I hope that after you listen to this episode, maybe you'll see Kathy Griffin in a new light. Because for me, personally, I wouldn't be where I am or done half the things I've done were it not for the influence of Kathy Griffin on my work. So getting to chat with her was just really a real treat. So go on and grab a snack, because I'll be right back with Kathy Griffin. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When I started in comedy, so I started in Chicago, actually, where you're from. Right on. Yes. And then I moved to New York and then moved to L.A., where I am now. And I, I remember being this young gay comic and watching... I was surrounded by straight dudes who were all trying to yeah. be like Louis C.K. and Seinfeld right. and like they're trying to do that. And I yeah. never really could tell jokes in that way. Like I wasn't. Oh, I get it. It wasn't yeah. me. And so I was right. I was a story driven, personality driven sort mm-hmm. of comedy person. And yeah. you did it in a way that like kind of taught me like, oh, I don't have to do what they do. Like I can do what I do, you know? Yeah. And it was because of you that I think I really had that inspiration. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Wow. That's so cool. I love hearing that because, you know, those guys have been really tough on me over the decades. And, you know, some of them have said they, you know, earlier on in my career, they don't think I'm a real stand up because I don't do like a setup punchline. Yeah. Same. And um, I, you know, when I go to see a comic, for some reason, I like to feel like I I know the person a little better. Yeah. And look, I I certainly I admire joke tellers because yeah. trust me, if I'm halfway through a ten minute story and they're not with me, yeah. I'm like fuck. I wish I was Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. But I, it's it's the only way I know how to do it. And thank God, I kindly I kind of like found outlets for it eventually. Yeah. I mean, remember, I did. I wasn't even on TV till I was fucking thirty-six. Yeah. So very late bloomer. Um, but I, I'm so grateful that people come to the theater. For, you know, it's an evening with. I don't even have an opener, so they know what they're getting. Yeah. But I'm so grateful they know. Oh, she's gonna ramble, and there might be seven jokes in this little clip, but then the rest is torque, and then this is set up. So yeah. I'm thrilled when people you know, are just open to like, it's a different cadence, as you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm so excited. I am like, when you announced that you were back to performing, you were going to Vegas and doing stuff. And now with my life on the PTSD list, I mean, I was so thrilled to see you back because after everything that had happened these past few years, both Uh. with your health and the public stuff and everything, I've always been rooting for you. I mean, I'm a lifelong fan of yours. So how does it feel to be back to performing? I finally feel like I'm uncanceled. Really? And I don't even like to use that word because when I think of people being canceled, I think of Louie rubbing his dick up against girls. I think of that chick from The Mandalorian being a Holocaust denier. So frankly, I get a little high and mighty because I'm like, no, no, I wasn't canceled. I was investigated by the Department of Justice for conspiracy to assassinate the President of the United States and put on the fucking no-fly list. So it's been... A different kind of climb out of this trench for me because, you know, I had no support of a network. I had no support of an agency. I just got a manager and an agent like a month ago. Really? So this tour came together really quickly. And, you know, I mean, I think they just started routing it like two weeks ago. So I am beyond thrilled that these venues are willing to have me because when the Trump Trump thing happened, you know, I had, I was in the middle of a 50 city tour and 
all the shows got canceled within 72 hours, but I don't blame the theaters because I can't imagine yeah. them getting death threats and we're going to bomb the theater. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to play theaters instead of clubs. Mm-hmm. So they're used to like Blue Man Group yeah. or, yeah. you know, I play theaters where they have the Lion King or yeah. Stomp. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're like getting calls from MAGA people saying, you know, if that fucking cunt gets up there, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, you know, it's been a long time that I just thought, what's going to happen? Because these theaters have to know people are going to, I'm going to sell tickets and they have to know I'm going to do what I've been doing for decades before the Trump thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I got cancer. And so now I use the um, like Madonna microphone headset, which I've been very, I feel very fancy with that. (laughs) And it helps the amplification tremendously because when I start to do stand up, the adrenaline makes my voice pitch up a little higher. Yeah. And it's like, I, I have to do a shtick at the very beginning of the show just to go, here's why my voice sounds different. I'm cancer-free. I'm good. But yes, I sound like a Muppet or I sound like <laughs> Minnie Mouse. So let's kind of, and I, like I said, that's, that's why I'm grateful to be playing theaters because I think, like, I don't know yet, but I would guess like 75% of the audience probably knows what what I've been through. Yes. Like they probably have either read about cancer or they everybody saw the Trump picture. Who are we kidding? Yeah. And yeah. so I think it's just taken time. And this is gonna sound so embarrassing. It's taken time for America to forgive me. Yeah. You think so? And I think it, I really do. And you know what's so funny? When that Trump thing happened, it, it was so crazy and there was a lot of madness around me, a lot of insanity and yeah. a lot of um people reaching out to give me their opinion, but nobody really helped. Like nobody, nobody that could kind of look, I would have loved it if Lauren Michaels would have given me a cameo on SNL or I would have loved it if Netflix would have stepped up and said, we'll do a special or like Mm -hmm. something that would have just calmed the buyers down. Yeah. And we've been in this like crazy fever pitch. And I remember Sharon Stone said to me love Sharon Stone this is gonna love her her. and she said this is gonna take you about five years and I was so mad at her I said (laughs) I call her Stoney I go Stoney you're not helping yeah five I go I'm a workaholic I did a tour before the one during the Trump thing that was 80 cities in here I said don't tell me it's gonna do and she was freaking right yeah it's been six freaking years and I I think it's been this combination of like People realizing that photo was really just a photo. People realizing it really was the Trump administration that targeted me in a way that just was different than other celebrities. Yeah. You know, it just was bigger. Mm -hmm. They manipulated that photo and it was in Iran and China and Russia in 12 hours. Like, I never even knew something like that existed. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, the left turning on me saying, well, you've made things worse and they bought into it. And I think it's just taken a while for people to be like, oh, number one, the the Trump years were incredibly chaotic. Yeah. Even if you're an independent or you don't hate Trump, you don't have to hate Trump. Yeah. But you got to admit, they it was were crazy, crazy. Yeah. I mean, do you remember like the daily? Yeah. Just him signing those executive orders and I like mean, going like. I'm not a political person, but it was exhausting being in a newsroom. It was exhausting. Yes, Yes. it was exhausting because it was never-ending news and none of it really ever added up. And you're just like, I just want to report the news. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And you're chasing this madness. Yeah. 
And for me, I'm in a way I was like trying to say, no, this guy really is dangerous. That's why I took the photo. But on the other hand, it really is just a photo. Mm -hmm. And if everybody can just calm down, I'm still the girl from my life on the D list or suddenly Susan or 21 specials or Bravo or whatever you want. But it's, Sharon Stone was right. It took well, years. And we years. also we also need, I think, I mean, no matter if you supported the photo or not, or supported you or supported your politics or whatever it was, we yeah. need, I personally believe, we need provocateurs. We need, and yes. that's, what com- that's what comedians do. You're not out here. I'm not asking you to do brain surgery. I don't want you to right. represent me in a legal setting. I want you, right. to, I want you to make me think and feel and laugh and, and have a reaction. Yes. To and that's what yeah. we do. That's, that's we the have job. To. Yes, we exactly. Have to. And those are the, look, I was raised by Don Rickles and Joan Rivers. Yeah. Yeah. They were such dear friends. I miss Joan every day. Same with Don, but I knew Joan better. And obviously yeah. we, we had a special friendship and stuff. But I I can't imagine Joan doing like just a lovely hour of safe jokes. Yeah. It's just it when happen. you think of Joan Rivers. It wouldn't happen. No, it's like it's like she got to play my mom on Suddenly Susan, which mm-hmm. is one of the times we got to get really close. And I remember getting mad at the writers. Mm-hmm. Because they would be so mad at her when she would improvise a joke. And it's Joan Rivers. Because because it was funnier than what they wrote. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but that's the truth. Yeah. That is the truth. Yeah. And I remember going up to one of them going, You guys, if Joan came up with another one sentence that mm-hmm. replaces yours, just say thank you. Yeah. But you know, I agree. And when I think of I, I actually love this resurgence of all this Carlin stuff. And I'm yeah. not, I'm not putting myself in the class with Carlin. But I love how all the stuff he said, some of it was almost more of a rant than jokes. Mm-hmm. But these tapes, you know, there's a whole George Carlin TikTok and the yeah. and videos and the way they're pressing today is fascinating. So I think there's a place for those safe mm-hmm. comments. Like I said, I think it's great that Jerry Seinfeld doesn't curse. Yeah, whatever. And people of all ages can go see his show and that's wonderful. And there's a place for that. Yeah. It's just not what I do. Yeah. And it's not even I couldn't do it if I tried. Well, and we always knew you. That's the thing that I think as a longtime fan of yours. And like I said, I'm biased because I am a fan of yours. But like (laughs) you, you've always kind of pissed people off in one way or another with what I mean, I'm thinking of like. I, I started to hate Andy Cohen because of you. <laughs> I started to like, like I started to like have moments. I mean, that was just fucked up. That was, I'm sorry. That was fucked up. And that so was a situation that unfolded before everybody's eyes. Yeah. And it was because of the Trump picture. Yeah. So Jeff Zucker, who I had tussled with for 15 years mm-hmm. when he was my boss at NBC, I, I would go to him personally for raises and he resented the fuck out of that. And I didn't know that you're not supposed to do that because my agents were afraid of him. Yeah. I wasn't. And I remember one time, I'm not even kidding. One time I had my mom, Maggie call Jeff Zucker and he got on the phone because who could turn down Maggie? No, no one. And she went now, Jeff, Kathleen works very hard. <laughs> and, and it was just funny. Yeah. But, and then when the Trump thing happened though, I think I realized Oh, all the years I was doing stuff like that, like with Andy Cohen, either trying to get a raise or trying to get more than eight episodes a year. Yeah. I honestly didn't know those dudes do not like that. Yeah. It's just the agents are supposed to do it, the managers. And I just, like I said, I watched Joan and I watched her fight these battles herself. Yeah. And she and I talked about this a lot. 
And I just thought, oh, they know I'm fighting for the betterment of the show or yeah. the special or the work. Mm-hmm. And then when the Trump thing happened, it was like Jeff Sucker, Anderson Cooper, Andy Cohen. And I just went, oh, my God, he literally took my gig. Yeah. He took my gig. Mm-hmm. And that was a seismic thing that, once again, it's taken a while. Yeah. But I do hear from people a lot like, oh, that reminds me of a time that like Mm -hmm. I was in my office situation and there was a guy like that and that happened. Like, so one thing I think is, like I said, is is helped with people forgiving me is some people literally saw that and they were like, oh, that's fucked up. That's I mean, literally. And that's kind of what I'm that's kind of what I I would never. I would never do that to someone ever. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the reality and that's that. And so I'm okay, great. That happened. But guess what? I have a whole new show and I don't even mention Trump in the new show. Oh, that's amazing. Well, that's kind of what I, what I think is so interesting about just He just doesn't come up. I'm not, I'm not afraid of it. It just literally like doesn't come up. Yeah. That's what I think is so interesting about. I just have other shit to talk about. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, please. I mean, but that's what I think is so interesting about, this new show and and about you know people theaters being bold enough to book you and everything about yeah. coming back after these five years is that you people tend to sort of see like okay well if you if you stand true to your convictions and you don't change what you're saying because you never kowtowed to anybody if especially when you <laughs> did get the backlash from Andy or from Trump or from whatever yeah and and that people will come around and to me that the, these theaters are booking you shows me that. Maybe there's a sign of a change in the electorate. Maybe there's a sign of a yes. change in how people are looking at what we've seen these past five right. years and everything. And I wanted right. to know if you if you think that if you think that maybe maybe not you're a part of this change, but you're seeing by you being booked, you're kind of seeing this change happen in the country. I am. And I also think I, I'm in love with the title, even though I know it's long, but I I think we all have a kind of a collective PTSD oh, just yes. from fucking alone. Oh my God. Just, yes. And by the way, we kind of act like COVID didn't happen. It's weird. Like we're, we're kind of like going along our merry and every so often you hear about somebody that gets COVID again, but you know, I have friends that got COVID five times. Yeah. I have yeah. many friends with long COVID. I have, you know, we all have many friends that, I mean, therapy has never been more popular because People didn't know how to deal with whether it's they're shut down and lonely or like my cousins who are like Trumpers. Oh. So they call they call the vaccine the jab. Okay, fuckers, I have half a lung. I had lung yeah. cancer. Yeah. And this is a respiratory disease. Yeah. So please keep your like Matthew Perry died from the vaccine shit away from me. But even that is because I I go out and even in Vegas, I said how many guys said clap if you've lost anyone, whether it's in your Facebook group or your office mm-hmm. or a relative to either MAGA or QAnon. And I'm telling you, two thirds of the audience claps. Yeah. yeah. Because the QAnon shit is like getting bigger mm-hmm. and Twitter turning into X is like so bizarre. So bizarre. And yeah. And so I just thought, let's just call it my life on the PTSD list. And let's have fun with it because let's stop acting like we haven't all been through a shitstorm. Yeah. And I think I think there could be a shift change right now. But let me tell you, I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. I I know a lot of people that say some shit that is QAnon and crazy. And I know people that don't vote. 
And I know people that just maybe need some PTSD therapy and decide not to get it or whatever. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to make this show about that. And I laugh at all this shit. I I make jokes about AA because I became a prescription pill addict and literally tried to take my life. And I have a story about that because when I look back on it, I have to fucking laugh. That's how I get through. Yeah. And I, Last few times, well, I've only done four shows. I've done two in Vegas, and then I did a double on a gay cruise. Yeah, I remember. I saw that. <laughs> Honey. Honey. Let me tell you. <gasps> I mean, those boys. I wanted to be on that cruise with you. play. You'll be, first of all, you'll be exhausted. You'll have to be hospitalized afterward with IV fluids. <laughs> I do not know how these guys even function some of the guys party so hard they don't even go to the ports they just stay on the boat (laughs) and they're doing shit like lasers by kyle till 6 (laughs) a.m and then they're at the gym they're at the gym at 8 a.m and fucking spin the class i have a feeling i would probably do a cruise like you where i feel i have a feeling you probably go look for the tchotchkes at the port cities and then you go to the buffet or something that's more my cruise situation yes Yes. i'm not going to the gym there's never a gym moment on a cruise no, but let me tell you, I have done one heterosexual cruise, and let me tell you, that gym was empty. And on the gay cruises, of which I have done 18, yeah. 18, wow. the gym is packed, there's like lines for the different classes, <laughs> and those boys, it's like, you know, gym, yeah. buffet, not so much. No, no. Wouldn't it be funny, though, but if always- the- if the cruises, the heterosexual cruises were billed as heterosexual cruises, if they were actually like, <laughs> they really should, they really should just, they should just call it for what it is and go, look, it's a bunch of straight people. The bar is going to be packed. because We're drinking our asses off at five o'clock. They put all the kids to bed because on a hetero cruise, you got all these fucking families. Yeah. So during the day, it's just like dad's in the pool with like a highball yeah. and the kids are like half drowning and he's just like fuck it (laughs) and forget it at night the kids are in bed and the parents are just like wet rags like give me another drink yeah and the gays are like party 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 let's go (laughs) lasers by kyle (laughs) i am so excited i think it's a perfect title for your tour And I think it's doing exactly what I said before. You getting out there as a comedian, doing the job that we're supposed to do, which is telling people our perspective from a unique place and trying to get people to think about things maybe a little bit differently. And I feel like that's what you're doing. What else is in the show that 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 people should can get look look forward to? Well, I because I was diagnosed with PTSD, which really kicked in after my cancer, like the Trump stuff was really rough, but the cancer like put me over the edge. And so I've had cancer, too. And I know I oh no, what kind I had testicular cancer. And then I had a year of chemo after that. And it's 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 I can I completely relate to everything that you're saying. I mean, you had it. You had it. you, You had it. Much worse than I did. I will admit that. that was, I have half a lung. Yes, you have a half a lung. Chemo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Did hot. you ring the bell? I, I ringed all. Yes, the bell was rang. And I went to the one in, in Beverly Hills here. So I felt Penny Marshall when she was alive. God love her. She was going to the chemo center with me at the same time. So every single day I would see Penny and it would be like I, she didn't talk to me, but I loved her anyway. <laughs> OK, see, that's the type of stuff I put in my show. Yeah, because I don't want people to be afraid of me mentioning cancer because there's too much funny shit. Yeah. I have been called Kathy Lee Griffin. I have been called Kathy Lee Gifford. Like, just funny stuff. Because, once, as you know, once you're in the kind of cancer pipeline, yeah. you're dealing with 
the health industry and some places they're just they're understaffed and some places they give you the wrong medicine Mm -hmm. and like the guy the surgeon who took out my half lung actually said to me he goes you know the lobes of your lung are really kind of almost like a balloon so what we do is we go in there and we basically puncture out the lobe of your lung that has the tumor in it and we take it out and after that it kind of looks like a used condom you can use that I had that. I'm like, I'm using it, but I'm making fun of you, you psycho. Like, what kind of person I does had, that to a patient? I had that at the same the same situation, similar in that my cancer doctor he would he would try to get to know me, so he would only talk about me being a comedian and like comics that he liked, and I'm like. I just want to know if I'm going to go into debt today by some shot you're giving me and if I'm going to be okay in a month. Like, that's all I want to know, please. Oh, by the way, the last thing they want to talk about is billing. Yes. They oh, act never. like they don't know what anything costs. Never. That's what Consuela is for. Go see Jessica. Yep. Oh, I have no idea. But they're still kind of selling the stuff. Oh, Well, always. you might want to do this. Always. I know. I had this shot. I, there was this one moment where my white blood cell count got really low or something and they thought I'd have to oh. go off chemo because of yeah. to get better. But then they were right. like, but then we don't know. And they're like, but you can take this shot, but it ha- but it's not covered by your insurance and it costs $14,000. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're going okay. in debt today. Like today's the day. Seriously. I go in debt. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's and the they say that like nothing. Yeah. So I actually like, and by the way, I love the Penny Marshall story because let's face it. When you get cancer in LA, yeah. you're going to see a celebrity. You're going to see a celebrity. You know, you're gonna, it's just inevitable. You're yep. going to see a celebrity. Yep. And then. You go like, do I talk to them because we're in this together or is it a private moment? (laughs) So, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm absolutely still in the deal list, but I'm also still very enamored with talented people. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean necessarily somebody who's famous for being famous, but I mean, Penny Marshall, when I didn't know her very well, but whenever I would see her, I was like, Fucking Penny Marshall, yeah. man. She's, I mean, she's Penny fucking Marshall. A league of their own. Legacy. I mean, yeah, big. Legacy. Like, just an icon. And I. See, those are the people that make me swoon. Yes, same. Like, oh. the legends. Well, the legends. I mean, I have to say, you're also in that list for me. If I, if I, re- well, when you, oh when I see, can I just say this? When I see your salons, and I only have two more questions for you, <gasps> so I don't want to keep you all day, but I, when I see your salons on TikTok, I get so jealous because all I want to do is to be in that presence and like and be in that salon. I give me your number. I well, I will. Don't you trust me? Don't seriously. Don't even tempt me. Just I give will, me your. I just will. give me your number. I will. I had one yesterday that you would have been perfect for because it was all journalists. Oh, I love so that. I had the only actor I had was Diedrich Bader. You know him. He yeah. was like Andrew Curry yeah, yeah. show and stuff, and he's super smart. Yeah. But I had like. Somebody from now formerly Jezebel. Yeah. I had somebody from Los Angeles Magazine who is now a Hollywood Reporter. Mm. I had somebody that was this was really cool, a speechwriter for um, Bill Clinton. Oh wow! Um, I had a girl named Kate Casey who has a podcast. Oh, I know. But she that. also yeah. worked at the White House, and she was an intern with Monica. Oh wow! So like she, so yeah, so you would have fit. That was a really good fun group but it was also like smarty pants well but i love what i love about you what i love about you doing the salons is that it again kind of does the job i think that comedians are supposed to do which is to have really compelling conversations with people and then find ways to use that stuff to be able to talk to the masses and try to get it out there what do the salons do for you they give me life Mm -hmm. because when i got you know when the whole trump thing went down I lost like 75% of my friends. And let me tell you, they never came back. Yeah. So when people are like, 
well, I hope Anderson Cooper has apologized. I'm like, honey, nobody's apologized. They all dumped me and they're like, don't let the door hit you on the way out. So when I got sober, I started making a lot of friends in AA, which is kind of a good start because what I love about AA meetings is, you know, you're, I go to just Zoom meetings, but I go to one every day. And, you know, these are just people in boxes and everybody has three minutes to share, but it's this no bullshit zone. Yeah. So nobody's going to use their three minutes to talk about whatever. It's like, oh, my God, I almost got drunk last night. Or how am I going to get through this without a pill or booze or whatever? And I was like, you know, I have no more tolerance for bullshit after that Trump thing yeah. and cancer. It's like when you're facing that, it's just like, yeah, life's too short to either try to get somebody back that yeah. maybe wasn't so great in the first place. And that's kind of what started the salons. Although I have to be honest, I really was inspired by two women that invited me to their salons. Mm. The late, great, dear Gloria Vanderbilt. I mean, for come yeah. on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Icon. Those were insane. And because she was older and all those folks were older, it wouldn't even occur to them to have phones at the table. Yeah. So when I would go to her house, it was just these amazing conversations. Mm -hmm. And the other one was there was a Hollywood super agent and she was the first female agent that was really big named Sue Mengers. Yes. And Bette Midler went on to play her in a play on Broadway. I got to go to about a dozen of those fucking Mengers sit downs. Oh, wow. And it was crazy. It was like Jack Nicholson, Paul Simon, <laughs> David Geffen. You know, like it was nuts. Yeah. But she ran those with an iron fist. Once again, of course, no phones at the table. But, you know, I think the notion of even just, I insist it's only one conversation at a time. Mm-hmm. So even if it's 12 people, and you might be excited because you met someone interesting next to you in the chair. Yeah. No side conversations. And everybody actually is heard. Mm -hmm. And I call on people because I know the introverts aren't going to get in there. And something fucking magical happens. And I do a text chain. And at first, when there's a celebrity, they hate that I like put their cell number (laughs) on strangers. I'm sure. (laughs) And after every single salon, those text chains continue. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So it's like, okay, I, I may see you again in a year. I may never see you again. But you know what? We, we started actually getting to know each other. Yeah. My dear my dear friend, I sound like just an asshole, <laughs> but my dear friend Sia is yeah. really a recluse. Yeah. Like she is an old-fashioned recluse. Uh-huh. And the fact that she fucking leaves the house to come to these salons. Yeah. And of course, I make her sing because her voice is like unmatched. Yeah. And then... She's saying at one, and she just saying like a, a verse or whatever. But then another guest, Mo Collins from Mad TV, oh yeah, burst into tears because when Mo had cancer, she would listen to Sia to get oh. through chemo. Oh, and Sia just went and hugged her, and it was just like it was nuts. So I'm trying to encourage people to have their own salons, mm-hmm. and it's just phones down, smart people. Try to see, you know, people that maybe wouldn't meet each other. Mm-hmm. And during my whole six years of feeling, you know, kind of left out there. Yeah. That's how I I kind of was able to find people. And look, some of these people, I like, I don't know you very well, but yeah. I know you'd be great at a salon. Yeah. And some of these people, I would just DM on like Instagram or Twitter. Interesting. And it would work. And so I I had one for like. The guy, this guy, Mike Fanone, he's like a really gorgeous guy, but he was the Capitol Police officer that was pulled into yes. the crowd 
and had a fucking heart attack and they were still tasing him. So I thought, okay, this guy is, he's a straight bro, as straight as it gets. (laughs) And so, of course, I had to throw in Rosie O'Donnell. Of course. (laughs) So he's there when he's nervous and he's got a drink because he's very shy. And I go, don't fuck it up. Rosie's a lesbian. I don't want to hear any of your straight bullshit. He goes, I know a gay person. I'm like, oh, you know one. But Rosie, because Rosie's from Long Island and this guy's from Philly, they like fell in love. Of course they did. And so I just, I just honestly, I get off on that shit. I I just think it's wonderful and it makes life worth living. And having been through something like cancer. Yeah. You know, you know what? Nothing beats a nice fucking conversation with people. It's true. I mean, something that I say, well, first off, I have to say about this, your Sia friendship, a friend of mine, she's really big into Survivor and a, a fr- you were at something with Sia when she had all the Survivor people from last year out yeah. and he was, his name's Carson and he was too afraid to come up and say hello to you. So oh. <laughs> he says hello now, but yeah. well, tell him I said hi. I will. But, like, Sia's version of Salons is, well, she actually watches everything scripted too, yeah. but the unscripted shows, like when we went to Mexico together, and I have a whole story about that in my act because wow. it was hilarious. Everything went wrong in this trip. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. She brought like multiple iPads with these stands that yeah. like have metal that bends. Uh-huh. And what calms her down is to be watching like three reality shows at one time. <laughs> and she gives money to her favorites because yeah. she feels like these people made gave me joy in some mm-hmm. way or they entertain me so much or i feel like i know them yeah. like one time one time we went to the kardashians christmas party i know yeah. that's oh enough don't worry i saw sia, <laughs> sia brought the girls from wags oh Remember that show yes, the wags. yes yes so she's like i brought the wags and i'm like of course you did <laughs> so i just love her because she's so that. unique and so special yeah and you know i i i like that she's like she's, I don't know if you know who Pamela Adlon is. Yeah, I do. Was, I like, interviewed really, her. I love her. Great. Yeah. yeah. And so now C and Pam are in a love fest. Oh. And I'm so proud of that because they just hit it off. I love that. And that's what we need. Like at a time when I felt like people were so scared of me, uh-huh. I finally have some friends that are like, oh no, if you have me over to a salon, I'll have you over to my house. Yeah. And yeah. if you introduce me to this really nice person, I'm going to introduce you to this nice person. Yeah. And it's so simple. But I, I was like chasing that. And now I feel like I kind of have a little bit of a formula yeah. for like how to make that happen. Yeah. Well, I have. Well, first off, before I ask my last question, I do have to say that one of the things that I think and I think you would agree with this, that I took from chemo and from cancer and the whole experience, how traumatic and scary it was, is that I yeah. learned to say no. I just learned yes. to, be, to be able to say no to things. I was always, I think, as a comic, just trying to please everyone. And I'd say yes to everything. And I would, any stage time or anything I could get, I would just, yes, oh. yes, 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 yes. And Everything and, had to be a possible photo op or yes. a possible thing that could lead to work. You never miss an opportunity. You're yeah. always hustling. Yeah. And being able to say no is probably one of the, and being okay with saying no is probably one of the yeah. most freeing things I think I've ever had in my life, you know? All right, so I talk about this in my act too, but I have to ask you, and I, I need you to be honest. Sure. You hear me? Yes, I'm here. I will, of course. Have you ever played the cancer card to get out of something? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> All the time. Oh my if God. If I can't get a table at Nobu, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my cancer's back. Yeah. Can I have that table, please? <laughs> I mean, I'm vicious. 
I'm fucking vicious. I, I don't mean, give a shit. I mean, there are times when sometimes you just need a little something. And sometimes, you yes. know, if you drop a little like, oh, well, this was a hard day. Then yes. boom, you get it. Yes. I mean, I've gotten free tacos. I got a fat burger, a thing, a fat burger for a year <laughs> because like I found out during chemo, I couldn't keep like healthy food down. So I would just eat trash yeah. food and I would eat I would eat fat burger a lot. And I was just like, I said it. And then they just sent me free stuff. And I was like, I'll take it, yeah. please. They should have like a cancer punch card, right? Like frozen yogurt places, where like depending <laughs> on what you did, you fucking get, and then you lead to a free burger. Well, okay. My last question for you is: like, I have to ask you about this because one of the most transformative reality shows of my life was my life on the D list, and <laughs> I it is a. I know you're making it available in clips on TikTok and like other areas and like and YouTube, and yeah, because yeah. I own it. Yeah, I own it, and then nobody wanted to fucking buy it. I want to buy it. I want to sit okay. there. I want to sit in your house one day and just watch every episode from start to finish but like would you ever do a reality show again in this climate and world of reality tv we're living but yes i would but the question is i i don't think there's a network or streamer that i know of that would let me do a show that was that real Mm, yeah so what i what I tried to do with that show is I really tried to make it a sitcom disguised as a reality show. And originally, my old pal, Jeff Zucker, he wanted, he said he was going to give me an NBC, Jerry Seinfeld, like million dollars an episode, four camera show, Kathy. Yeah. Then he came to see my act and he went, oh, you don't need writers. And then I was kicked over to Bravo where they said, oh, we can do the show for a fraction. Yeah. And they really did follow me around and hope I did funny shit. (laughs) Like stuff wasn't staged. Obviously my parents were very authentic. I, by the way, they should have spun off my parents after season one. Oh, they should. Seriously. Yeah. And they would have now. John and Maggie were fucking gold. Yeah. I know. And so that's what I would hope. I would say if anybody wants me to do an unscripted show again, I would say, okay, but can we make it funny first? Yeah. And that doesn't mean like, Around the end, they would say stuff like, what if you, we took you someplace to drive a golf cart and you didn't know how? I go, that's on every reality show since fucking Osborne's and Nick and Jessica. Yeah. What if we throw you out of a plane? I go, what are you trying to kill me for? (laughs) So if they could do a show where they're not fucking trying to kill me, I would love to. But it's an interesting question because the times really have changed and show, you know, like the hills literally had scripts. Kardashians had scripts. It's different now, but you know, I'm learning everything old is new again and the nineties are back Mm -hmm. and the aughts are back and you just never know. But if anybody would ever want to do a nostalgia project with me, I'll take it. (laughs) However you want to label it, as long as I can be funny. I want to work as a PA on it. I will quit everything just to go work as a PA on it for sure. Well, Kathy, it's such an honor to meet you. I have to, like, like I said, lifetime, lifetime fan. And I'm just, I'm so proud of what you're doing and where you're going. And I just think it's just so great. Thank you so much. All right, I'm going to see you at one of these salons. Great. All right, honey. Wonderful. Nice to meet you. Take care. Bye-bye. I told you she wouldn't be holding anything back, and she didn't. Get those tickets to Kathy's show. Trust me, you will have a good time. Anyway, I'm H. Allen Scott on everything. You know what to do. Go follow me and leave a little rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. I would appreciate it. I know it's a hard ask, but it does help me. But I also get it. If you don't, I still love you. You're fine. For the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the socials. And while you're there, subscribe to my newsletter for the culture. I'm doing this fun thing where I like 
talk about all the Christmas movies I'm obsessed with over the next month, and some of them are kind of weird ones, so (laughs) I think you'll like it. Until then, watch something fun, and have a great day. 